It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thanks for being with us. Here with me in the KFG studios, my friend and colleague, Josh Gregory. Good to be with you, Mike. Hi there. Mike, do you know what the hardest, uh, most difficult topic is for me to get my wife to talk about with me? Sports. No, it's my death. Oh, yes. She doesn't want to think about it. Yeah. And it's great for my ego. Makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> but it makes putting an estate plan in place pretty difficult. Yeah. And maybe uh, maybe you can relate today. If that's you, be encouraged. We have attorney and, and friend, Mark Crenitti, in the studio with us today to help us get past the emotional hurdles of developing your estate plan. Yeah, we're actually going to be kicking it off with some of those emotions or the things that trip people up and get in the way from you getting the estate plan and the peace of mind that you need. So we're going to start with that. If you have questions, we're going to tackle a couple at the end of the show. Reach out to us. You can do so in a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com, or on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of that. Just search Wise Money Radio. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hey, glad to be here. We're, Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you back to talk about estate planning. Not a very fun topic, but we're going to make it helpful and enlightening to you today. So Mark's an attorney with some of our great friends over at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene. He's been there for a long time, but I won't introduce him. Mark, share a little bit of who you are. Sure. So um, I've been an attorney uh, for about, holy cow, 12 years, 12 and a half years. It's flown by. Um, I'm originally from the area here, grew up here, um, went to Notre Dame undergrad, went to Chicago for law school, and then came back, um, got married, took the bar, bought a house all in two months. Oh my so goodness. It was a whirlwind, yeah. So was actually a neighbor of Josh's before he left the neighborhood yep. uh, a few years ago. <laughs> Are you back. still in the neighborhood? No. We yeah, left you left too? Once yeah. Josh left. It, it <laughs> spiraled <laughs> out of <laughs> control. <laughs> we I would have thought the Gregory's leaving would have kept <laughs> no. everyone cemented yeah, there. They were no. first movers and they <laughs> oh, knew what okay. they were doing. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been practicing law for about 12 years, mm-hmm. uh, do estate planning. Um, I also do litigation and real estate work. Uh, and then the group I work with, Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, we do essentially full service. So in addition to the work that I do, we do uh, uh, business, law, and all aspects. So corporate side, transactional side. Um, we do um, business litigation, employment work. Um, essentially, about everything someone or some business, either locally, regionally, mm-hmm. uh, would need, we do. There are a few things we don't do. Um, 
but uh, you know, yeah. we leave that to uh, maybe the experts in the big markets to do, you know, bank regulation, SEC regulation, stuff like that. But other than that, we do just about everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, Mark, joining us on the show, we're actually kicking off a new series right now about how legal issues impact your financial life. Today, we're talking about estate planning, but you can just hear there that the team over at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene can really address pretty much any issue, legal issue that you have. And in fact, next week and, and even the following, um, Mark's colleague and friend of ours, Jamie Haig, will be on the show talking about different legal business matters as well. So make sure you tune in for that. There are six areas to your financial life. You hear us talk about it just about every single week. There's six core areas. And the big idea for you is that you need to be making decisions. You need to have a view of your financial life and how all six areas fit together. If, they're, if you're not watching how those areas fit together, then likely you might not have the right clarity and confidence in making decisions. You might not even be making the best decisions. Estate planning is one of those six main areas. The question that I want to start with before the what, the what is it? Why? Why is estate planning such an important part that it'd be actually one of the six main areas of your financial life? Well, I'll chime in on that one. Okay. You know, to me, it's one of the areas where if you fail to plan, um, there are going to be consequences to other people. Mm. You know, it's it's not just like your retirement plan where if, if you don't get started saving early, you don't uh, invest with enough growth in mind that maybe your golden years won't be quite so golden. That would be a consequence to you. But if you pass away and and create a problem for the people left behind, now the consequences have a ripple effect that go beyond just your own life. So the estate plan, it's, it's naturally an emotional topic, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, by nature, thinking about your loved ones and hopefully planning for their benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> I see it as a, a form of risk management. Um, not unlike insurance, but yep. the, the reason um, people don't like talking about it is at least with insurance, you know, there's a, a pot of money at the end of the rainbow that someone gets when someone dies. In estate planning, there really isn't, right? right. You're you're managing for risk, but um, you, you're not getting, or at least it doesn't feel like you're getting anything. Um, you're just getting peace of mind mm-hmm. that things will be taken care of. Um, people will be watched over, um, even risk management for you when you're alive and you can't make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're managing that risk, and it's hard for people to put that on the front burner and really get excited about that because yeah. uh, they don't see the returns on that like they do on retirement planning or whatnot, but it's significant. And anybody that's had an experience with being on the other end of that, being a, you know a, an attorney in fact or a healthcare representative or a personal rep for someone that didn't have mm-hmm. uh, some of those ducks in a row it's, it's stressful a, it's a hardship and yeah and that, and that those are the folks that you know you'll co- that will come in and really get it because they've been on the other side of it and said I don't want the confusion the right. disputes the uncertainty I, I realize how important this is so. that uh, that voice is Mark Cornetti attorney he's joining us in the KFG Studios with me and with Josh. So, Mark, is there ever a time when you would say someone does not need an estate plan? Can you think of a circumstance where you'd say, yeah, you probably don't need one just yet? Um, Maybe a young couple or college student or something like that, or maybe... 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that in some form or fashion, most adults, um, whether they're single, married, uh, kids, no kids, um, there would be some benefit to having something. Mm-hmm. Now, the extent of what they have in place would differ. I think obviously. Um, Single folks uh, and married folks, even that don't have kids, um, there should be certain things that are in place, but maybe not everything in place. I think most people would want to have powers of attorney or health care appointments um, for people making decisions for them if they can't. I mean, that's a critical piece. But maybe, maybe the will is less important for people that don't have children mm-hmm. um, just because they, uh, you're not worried about appointing someone as a guardian of your children because you don't have children or you're not too worried about where your property goes when you die because maybe your wealth isn't all that significant and there's a statute in Indiana that says where your property goes when you die and it's it gets it about right 75% of the time. Yeah. But and when, if you don't have any kids and you're single, then chances are it might be pretty right. Right. Yeah. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. Um, but as you had children, uh, really, that's when it becomes more and more important to have documents in place to yeah. make sure that they're taken care of. So. Children complicate things, don't they? (laughs) They do. They do. I'm I'm talking to a guy who was just telling me about uh, soccer camps and schedules and all the juggling. But uh, beyond bringing joy to your life, they do bring some complexity to the estate planning because you need to have uh, provisions in place, as you said. Who's going to take care of those kids if something happened to you? And it's your will. That's your document that you get to choose who you would appoint if the uh, if the decision was up to you. Right. Well, we're going to get into some of those what's in just a second. But really quick, Mark. Uh, so speaking of kids, do you need to update your estate plan every time you have a new child? Um, no, uh, you don't need to. Typically, um, when you're speaking about your kids, it's in your will, and I know we'll get to that uh, in a minute, Uh, but you can define your children as current children and any future children you have, but Mm -hmm. most people do amend their will just because they don't want anyone to feel like they're left out and that if they actually see the name on the document, it's real. So people will do that. Um, You guys know that uh, Cindy and I just had a new baby uh, about five months ago, and I was actually hoping to corner Mark today and get our (laughs) estate plan updated with his name on there, even though we've got all the right language on there. But yeah, there is something emotional about having each of your kids' names right there on the document. Speaking of emotions, we're still going to talk about what are the emotions that you need to get over? Over that that um, that you need to overcome in order to get the right estate plan in place, and then what are those documents? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What in the world is a living will? I think that's one of the worst names, worst titles for a financial or legal document out there. We're going to tell you what that is because it's pretty much the exact opposite of what that name suggests. This is Wise Money <laughs> with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, certified financial planner Josh Gregory and attorney and friend Mark Cornetti talking about your estate plan, why it's important, and then in just a moment, what in the world it is. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keenan, Mark included. 
great folks over there, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of the program. If you have any questions, you know, the first time we had Mark on the show, it, uh, it still stands as the most listened to episode of Wise Money. So I think it's because estate planning creates a lot of emotions and a lot of questions. And, and, you, it's, and it's just really exciting. <laughs> it's really fun. It's, yeah. uh, if you have questions, reach out to us. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. We've had a few people texting some questions in recently. Hopefully, we'll get to them today, 574-222-2000. And lastly, just a reminder, you can listen to and watch every episode on YouTube. Not that it's any better to watch us instead of just hear us, but you can find us right there. Just search Wise Money Radio. Before we get into the what, so what is a living will and why in the world they come up with that name for it, um, Why? I, I want to talk a little bit more about why. And the emotions often get in the way of you getting your estate plan in place. Josh mentioned that earlier. It was an obstacle for me. Mark, can you talk a little bit about how to overcome some of the emotions or maybe just address some of the emotions that people feel when they're getting an estate plan in place? Yeah, I think um, in my experience, it is emotional. People don't like thinking about it. They don't like envisioning, you know, A, what happens when they die, especially folks... um, the most emotional people, in my experience, are the people about our age. You know, mm-hmm. they have a uh, few kids. They're of young age, and in thinking about their kids growing up without a mom or a dad um, is really tough. I think later on, after people have lived a little bit and their kids are older, it's the emotion is less of an issue for them. At that point, it's more inertia, right? Inertia is a powerful force, and so they haven't done it for so long for them to get in a room with a lawyer, which is another obstacle all in of itself. Sure uh, is. Right? Uh, <laughs> all of those factors play in. So I think emotions are, are, are more for the, the, the younger folks younger with younger kids. And, and, um, and on the last point I mentioned, I was joking about um, – uh, the lawyer issue, but it's a real issue, right? Mm-hmm. Some people that I'm speaking with on a regular basis on this have have never spoken with a lawyer before, um, at least you know, in a formal setting in a conference room. Yeah, and people are—it's intimidating. It we, is. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. There's uh, this same group of people have those same feelings and emotions sitting down with a financial advisor. Um, make matters worse. Some people have had really bad experiences with financial advisors, so they're reluctant and nervous to sit down with one. And the same emotions apply to attorneys, I'm sure. Yeah. You made an interesting observation, though, based on age. Some people are more emotional when their kids are younger. And many of the clients that we serve, if they still have kids that are in the house, they're maybe on their way out of the house, uh, into college, that kind of thing. And some of those folks, they, they do fly through the estate planning process, no problem. You know, they if you ask them, uh, if you passed away yesterday, would your kids be ready to receive the responsibility of these dollars? And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. But like I said, that's some people. Mm-hmm. And um, there's many people who, when you ask them the same question, uh, it, it's with tear-filled eyes that they respond and, and they confess, you know, I I don't know if my kids would be ready to receive this money. If they received a big pile of money, it might actually hurt them. 
And that that may be because their life is a little off track. They have lived a while, and we've seen a little bit of where where their life is pointed. Others, uh, as you said, maybe their kids are just too young to be able to receive that money. But uh, it it makes it a challenge when you think about the people who are going to take over the responsibility for you someday. Are they ready is one of the most important questions. It's inherently an emotional one, too. Yep. Mike and Josh here in the KFG studios joined by attorney Mark Kernity. Let's get to the meat of it. Sure. What in the world is a will? Why is it important? What is it? Yeah, so a will, um, in most people, when you talk to them about an estate plan, um, I I would bet about half the people say, oh, a will. I got to get a will, right? Well, that's an important piece of it. And as we get through today, it's not the only piece of a full plan. But it's it's the one everyone thinks about, um, and it's really a document that does two things. One, it says where your stuff goes when you die, um, and two, if you have kids that are uh, under eighteen, it's it designates someone to be the guardian for them if if you and their other parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, died before they reached um, legal age. See, so nothing to be intimidated about there. It, it, you you right. do it's two things: who gets your stuff, mm-hmm. and who takes care of the kids. Now, the kids one that's pretty emotional. The other component in there is then kind of who's responsible for managing this. That's the personal rep that you need to list in there. But I, I also though want to go back to. Um, one of the dangers of having so many things online electronically, where you can go get your will and go get other things that I've, I feel, we've talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. people that just quickly go online and they say, okay, estate plan, I need a will then. I'll check that box. Done. I've got the will. That is not a full estate plan. And, and you'll you'll see the full breadth of that uh, as we get as we get through the program yeah. today. On, a, on another point, and this is a real life kind of situation of, you know, of, hey, can I just go on? Uh, to legal zoom and or, or uh, another online source and plug in my info and it, you can and 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 sometimes that would work fine but recently I had a, a client where they filled out a questionnaire <clears throat> um, and they listed out uh, their their the people they wanted to be their um, their uh, reps and they had one of their children as the person for everything for their personal rep for their health care person their power of attorney and turns out their child was 22 years old. And after sitting with them and talking through the issue, it came clear that they didn't really want their 22-year-old child because there's issues, right? If they're the healthcare person, if they're the personal rep, and they lose mom and or dad, they're obviously going to be grieving. They're going right. to right. So talking through those issues with a professional, whether it's an attorney or or a planner that. Mm-hmm. Um, really believes in estate planning, you don't get that, right? Yeah. You don't get that kind of extra thought. And that's what you pay for. You pay for experience. You pay for education. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it always makes sense to sit down and talk with someone that's done it before and has experience. So. Yeah, I actually just had someone as well bring me some online copies, and there were three pretty big flaws, and actually none of them dealing with the will, one about a trust and and others about uh, a couple other documents we're sure. going to get to. But all right, so that's a will. Right. I have a lot of people, you probably see it even more than me, who confuse will and living will. Right. Um, what in the world is a living will? <laughs> and why, why in the world is it called a living will? Yeah, well, the, 
<clears throat> the full uh, name for it, at least in Indiana, is called the Living Will Declaration. Okay. So it makes a little bit more sense when you add in, because what it really is, is unlike any of the other documents we've talked about or will talk about, a Living Will Declaration, you're not appointing anybody to do anything for you. You're not appointing a personal rep to settle your affairs or a healthcare person to make medical decisions or a, a, an attorney, in fact, to make financial decisions for you. You are just declaring what your preferences are yeah. if you're in an end-of-life situation. So it has nothing to do with living, it, actually. It really it really doesn't. <laughs> no, no. Okay. And the, the reason they call it living will declaration is a will covers when you die. Yeah. Right? Got it. So they say, hey, this is my living will declaration on, on uh, what I want my healthcare person to do if I'm an end of life. Got is it. that a, a legally binding decision? You know, does, does your healthcare representative have to, you know, pull the plug if you said that's what you want them to do? No. No. So it's, it's, it, the word preference is, uh, is key in there then. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I have this conversation with a lot of clients, and sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around, and, and, and here's the, the way I explain it. Um, when you appoint a healthcare person to make medical decisions for you, that will include end-of-life decisions, right? Yep. So w- w- they're going to have power to make all those decisions for you. You declare what your preference is in your end-of-life a living will declaration, um, but it, it, it won't. It's not going to hamstring your healthcare person. Yeah. So it's not like a court order. Well, they have to go in and do it if the conditions laid out in your living will declaration. And the reason we do that is because there may be some reason they need to exercise some discretion. Right? Sure. Wait a little bit. Um, what it really does is, if there is some dispute amongst family members. It's Exhibit A yeah. to resolve that dispute. Got it. Great, great so. point. We've got more of the essentials on what are the core components of your estate plan coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We've been talking about whether it's sufficient to have uh, get your estate plan done online, some of the pros, some of the cons. We're going to keep talking about that. And it's also a question that listener Jerry sent in. We're going to hit that here in just a few minutes. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios. My friends, certified financial planner Josh Gregory and attorney with Ledoux, Kern & Keene, Mark Kroniti. Thanks for being with us. Also want to say thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. As we're talking about estate planning, kicks off a lot of emotion, lots of questions. If you have questions for us, for Mark, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text the show, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can find Mark and his team at lck.law.com, right? And you can find... Um, it's it's lck-law.com. Dash law. Yeah, 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 yeah. hyphen. That's yeah. right. Thanks yeah. for correcting yeah, me. You're there. welcome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> and uh, you can also uh, stay tuned to the Wise Money Show on social media and Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. All right, we left off with Living Will. We're about to jump into what in the world is a healthcare power of attorney. Um, a few more comments on Living Will. Yeah, Mark? I just I, I we kind of sped through that last point. I just want to make it clear. Um, you know what the Living Will is really accomplishing 
is if there is some sort of dispute, right? And it's usually a dispute. We've been talking about emotion. It's usually a well-intended hmm. uh, dispute. It's mom or dad or brother and sister. No, I know. I don't care what they did or what they wrote down. They wouldn't want this. They wouldn't want uh, uh, the the plug to be pulled, yeah. right? And if there is that dispute uh, between loved ones, a, a, a hospital, a doctor is not going to get in the middle of that, and they're not going to do anything. Yeah. And what they're going to say is, go talk to the judge. They're going to go talk, you know. Mm. And then, right? I know it stinks, but what what this living will does? The first two questions that that judge is going to have is, who is the healthcare person, and is there a living will declaration? Yes. And when I meant that living will declaration is Exhibit A. That's what I meant. It's yeah. it literally is Exhibit A in that proceeding, and it gets to the judge, and they say, okay, you're going to carry out the wishes of the patient. Wow. And and so that's the power of the living will. Uh, it, it rarely ever gets there because if there is a dispute, a lot of times that living will will nip nip that in the bud before it gets to a judge. But again, that's the risk management tool that's mm-hmm. provided by the living will. You know, I, I had a circumstance a few years ago with great great friends who are clients and um, Linda. And when we were first talking about their estate plan, she just started crying, just welled up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, we're we're getting this done. You know, there's nothing to be – I know it's sad, but there's nothing to really we, – she was weeping. And as she composed herself, she said that her parents didn't have anything in place. And it was that very issue that tore the family apart. Mm-hmm. That I think it was her mom was kind of – doctors had done everything they could do. And there was this internal struggle among the kids. What do we do now? And they didn't have instructions. And she, with very, very tearful eyes and tons of emotion, said, I will never put my kids through that. Yeah. That is the power of the living will. Yep. Yeah. All right. A very close, maybe second cousin to the living will is the healthcare power appointment. It actually goes by a bunch of different names. So, Mark Settle, the score, what is that? Yeah, I. you're right. Healthcare power of attorney, an appointment of healthcare representative. Um, I'll call it a, a healthcare power of attorney because I think that will ring true with most folks. It's a document that just designates who's going to make medical decisions for you in the event that you can't make them for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's triggered by your inability to make the medical decision, and typically a doctor or more than one doctor certifies that you're unfit to do that. Mm-hmm. Um critically important document you know again we talk about estate planning documents and people think of the will these other documents are as if not more important than than your will you're you are going to die right and when you die your estate will be settled i mean that's those are uh, uh hard decisions but they're not that difficult it's inventorying assets paying creditors right the tough decisions are what do we do with mom or dad or brother and sister and having someone trusted to make those decisions for you is important, and that's what the healthcare power of attorney accomplishes. That's right, and that's why if you're listening today and in your mind you think, yeah, I've already got my estate plan in place, we have a will, but you don't have any of these other documents, 
then your work is not done because these are some of the most important decisions that you have to make as it relates to your estate plan. Who's going to make decisions for you if you can't make them yourself? Healthcare being one of the critical ones here. Yeah, right. Mike, Josh, and Mark Crenitti here in the KFG Studios talking about estate planning. So one important component, I mean, it just, it just accentuates the need for this right now are all the privacy issues, especially with healthcare, these HIPAA laws. So it, a, a normal, off-the-cuff, um, and I would argue online, uh, power of attorney likely is missing a key component now. And, and so, Mark, what, what is that? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, your, your health care power of attorney um, can be as, as simple or complicated as the person wants to make it. Some people, you know, maybe if they have a medical background, will say, hey, I want it absolutely lined up. I want yeah. directions to my person. Uh, other folks, and this is more my model, is, hey, appoint someone you really, really, really trust Mm-hmm. And then give them discretion to act for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, that's where I fall. But but to each their own. One one piece that you are going to want in, regardless of which way you go on those documents, is you're going to want a really comprehensive HIPAA release. That's and what right. what does that mean? That means <clears throat> there's all these privacy protection laws that uh, safeguard people's personal health information, right? Um, and they'll only disclose it. Provi- healthcare providers will only disclose it if there is a good release mm-hmm. to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 there's layered releases that you can have a general release, but maybe it doesn't. If you need super sensitive healthcare information about um, uh, certain diseases or um, you know certain uh, drug or alcohol addictions, you want to make sure that everything and anything about this patient can be disclosed by the doctors to your healthcare person yep. so that they can really work. So so one piece that's missing in a lot of these online um, healthcare power of attorneys is a really, really good HIPAA release yep. that will allow the the provider to share everything about the patient with the healthcare person. Do you have any other best practices for for those who are are trying to make a decision on who to appoint this authority to? How how do you choose? You you just framed it as someone you really really trust. Right. Well, what if you're struggling to come up with that person, or what if they don't live nearby? I mean, how how do you yeah. pick? Um, I always <clears throat> you kind of reference at the end a, a lot of um, typical people will have someone that <clears throat> they trust to make the decision, but the question is, hey, they live in. Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. or right, they live five, six, seven hours away, um, and then I have someone local here that maybe I don't trust as much, but they're okay, and it'd be easier for that local person. The premium is always on someone you trust. It is always on someone you trust, mm-hmm. regardless of where they are. They will come, they will fly, mm-hmm. right? They will help you. Mm-hmm. So that's always what I tell people. Don't don't think. Absolutely, number one is who, right now, do I trust to make the right the the best decision for me? And right now is another thing too. People think, yeah, my mom or my dad would be great now, but in seven, five, six years, they're going to be so. Don't care. Yeah. Eliminate that. What they're going to be like in five years? Right now, who do I trust to make the right decision? If you have two equal candidates, mm-hmm. and one is here where you are, and one is somewhere else. Then the local obviously would be preferred because 
some of these healthcare decisions and financial decisions, they're going to be ongoing, right? right? So, so, but again, someone you trust regardless of where they are. You know, the financial nerd in me uh, just had this idea pop in my head that if you are um, named as the uh, healthcare representative for a family member on the other side of the country, it's another reason to make sure you have liquid resources so you can hop on a plane at a moment's mm-hmm. notice, be available when they need you. Mm-hmm. Emergency right. fund, baby. I mean, the other part of that is we're dealing with a family member who has Alzheimer's, right? And so the doctor visits are frequent, and you know they're not able to to act on their own behalf. You've got to have a power of um, of appointment for a healthcare rep right there all the time because right. they can't make their own decisions. I'm going to get into, well, then what do you do for that person's finances? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you for tuning in. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, alongside Josh Gregory and special guest attorney Mark Kennedy, coming to you from the KFT Studios. Thanks for being with us. We have been talking about different parts of your estate plan, why it's important, and what those core, basic, essential pieces are with Mark today. Mark, for people that have questions, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find you? Yep. The the easiest way is just go on our website. Uh, It's www.lck-law.com. Thanks for getting that right this time. You're welcome. And, you know, my bio... firm bios with full contact information is on there. So that's the easiest place. Wonderful. Well, thanks for being with us. If if you have questions for Mark, you can find him there. You can also submit those questions to the Wise Money Show. And we can direct them to Mark. We can talk about them on an upcoming show as well. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then just lastly, every episode's on the YouTube channel. So you can find it, like it, subscribe to it right there. Just search Wise Money Radio. Okay, so we're in the home stretch here. Let's talk about the cousin of the healthcare power of attorney, and that's a durable or financial power of attorney. What's that about? Sure. So, um, you know, you're going to need or may need someone to make financial decisions for you if you can't, legally can't, or if you just need help. Uh, making those decisions for you. And that's what a durable power of attorney does. It, it, it gives somebody the power to make financial decisions, whether it's related to real estate, personal property, banking, um, benefits, uh, dealing with the IRS, taxes, everything. Um, and you're giving someone else the power to deal with those finances on your behalf. You can have a true durable power of attorney which um, kicks in right away. Um, Or you can have a springing power of attorney, which kicks in only if 
you are medically unable to make a financial decision and a doctor has to say usually a doctor or two which creates a little hurdle there that's another trap Uh, you know jerry's question which we've kind of been hitting throughout the show is hey i've got a a, an estate plan online is that sufficient and this is another one where i'd point out probably not jerry that's there's too much at stake here for you to just wing it and go it online i had someone bring in an online one and it was immediate and I brought that to their attention. Hey, maybe that is what you wanted. And she was like, no, no, yeah. that is, I'm 49 years old. I'm not married. This is for my sister. I don't want her going out and, and acting on my behalf right now or at least having the authority to. So you need to be aware. You need to be aware of that. What's your take on that? Uh, sp- the, the springing uh, power of attorney versus one that is that the moment you sign it, it's effective. And, and that person has the authority if they have the document in their hand. Right. Um, this is a really kind of often question for practitioners. And again, the lawyer answer is it depends on who the client <laughs> is. I've been leaning more and more to- towards true durable power of attorneys. Yeah. Um, and, and, tell, and, and, and as part of the consult saying, hey, I recommend this because there may be situations where you are, you are mentally fine but physically, you might need someone to get on a bank. You know, for example, my my grandma, my mom's mom, um, she passed away a, a while back. But the last five, six years of her life, she had really bad arthritis. Mentally sharp with it, but really bad arthritis. And so she, she needed help. She needed someone to get on bank accounts to run errands for to deal with her stuff. Yeah. And so she had a durable. Great, great example. Right. So so it depends. Again, this whole idea of trust. The preferred course for me all the time is give someone a true durable because there's less hurdles to jump through if you need to actually exercise the power, but get someone in place that you really trust not to write, not yeah. to go to the bank and steal all your money. Right. <laughs> okay, so speaking of the bank, what do you say to the folks who maybe they don't have a formal power of attorney in place and their easy solution is, well, I'll just name my son or daughter as a joint owner on my checking account, and that way they can you know, help pay the bills for me, that sort of thing. We've had is that question. a legitimate uh, approach, in your opinion? Yeah. Is it, a, is it really a substitute for having a power of attorney? Yeah, I mean, it's a substitute with that account, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So, again, I think, I think that's fine if, if that person were the person that you would appoint as your durable. But, again, remember, that only is power with respect to that account. So I'm going to argue with you a little bit here, and we're going to move on, but but naming that person as a power of attorney, you can sometimes do that. You can list them as a power of attorney directly with that institution. That might be a substitute for that specific account. But if you put that person on the account, now they're a joint owner. Now yeah. the, those dollars are exposed if they're in a lawsuit, if that other person's in a divorce. So I actually, I would strongly discourage just putting their name on the account as a way to Give grant some authority or bypass a will. Hey, I don't want to go talk to the attorneys. They all scare me, especially that Mark guy. So I'll just put <laughs> my son or daughter's name on everything. Whew, and yeah. then they get a divorce or they get sued. It all depends on are you are you putting them on as an owner? Are you right. putting them on with privileges? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you are you filling out a special power of attorney that the bank has? Yeah. Right. I agree with you on that last point. But So um, in the studio, this is Mike here with me, Josh, and Mark Crenitti. We're going to touch just for a second because the, the basic, I call it the estate planning happy meal, but you guys know I'm a geek, um, are those four <laughs> components, will, living will, healthcare power of attorney, and durable power of attorney. What often gets confused in here, and again, had someone go online to just get a basic estate plan, they ended up with a 
trust. I'm saying they didn't need a trust. It, what's, what's your quick, what is a revocable living trust? Real quick and quick kind of why would you need it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to try my best uh-huh. on a three-minute uh, <laughs> Cliff's Notes version of a revocable living trust. So it's a, it's a fifth document that some people have. Um, it basically is a, a will substitute in some form. Uh, most people will have this trust uh, created, and the will then says everything that I own at death goes into this trust, and then the trust says really where it goes to, you know, uh, surviving spouse, kids, whatnot. Uh, the reason you might have that separate trust, that extra step, is um, one, if there's a reason for you to put property into that trust while you're alive, which you can't do with a will. You can't put anything in that will until you die. Right. So there might be a reason to fund the trust with some property while you're alive. For example, the, the example I give most people is if you have real estate in two different jurisdictions, um, when you die, you're going to have to go to two different courthouses to make sure those assets go where you want to go if you just have a will. If you have a trust and you put one or both of those assets into the trust, then when you die, the trust owns the property. The trustee can deal with it, hire a listing agent, sell it without having to go to a court. Because the trust didn't die. That's right. The trust has all the instructions of what to do with it. And and even though you've passed on, the trust is still there. Yeah. So So that's that's one reason to have it carved out. A second reason, and and I've been uh, doing this more and more often, even with simple plans, if folks have a lot of um, payable on death, uh, retirement insurance, if that's the the bulk of the wealth they're going to be leaving uh, when they die, then I think it's worth considering having a separate trust to capture some of those death benefits yep. so that you can really spell out if you die and you have kids that are under 25, 20, however old, that it gets to them and that a trustee can manage that. Whereas if you just have it um, with you know, without a trust, then what might end up happening is kids that um, are underage, right. it'll put in a, be put in a custodian account, and then they get it when they're eighteen, which you may not want. I mean, here you go. So, so Josh, I'm going to have you tie this all together because that is really the perfect segue into you need to have a a full plan and great <laughs> advice with all of this. So, so break this down. For yeah, us. that's right. I I think. Um, You've just driven home for me, Mark, just the importance of uh, having the estate plan be a part of a comprehensive financial plan. Your estate plan of, of all areas of your financial life needs to reflect your values, your beliefs, your priorities, and um, you know just what, what's important to you. And those things can be hard to kind of tease out at times, and that's what the financial planning process is all about. It's planning your life. Mm-hmm. What what do you want built into your life? And in this case, the legacy that you leave behind, it should be driven by the financial plan. That's why you need to be sitting down with your financial advisor who can collaborate with an attorney like Mark. So figuring out what you need, getting the documents and the plan in place, and then implementing the plan. I mean, that's really, there's three steps to this thing. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. Mark, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Yeah. I don't think it'll be the last one, even though I said the website wrong. <laughs> pleasure so, being here. Thanks, guys. All right. On behalf behalf of Mark Crenetti, Joshua Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
Nice job, buddy. That's right, guys. Good job. <clears throat> oh, now we get to go do all the not fun things. <laughs> Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.